How would you like to see the world through a shark's eyes? Exciting research this year will make it happen. This is Shark Tales, a new podcast from NBC10 Boston that takes a deep dive into sharks. We are kicking things off by catching up with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy's research scientist, Megan Winton. She hosts our shows on YouTube and Instagram and is super passionate about shark research and conservation. I sat down with her after our trip out on the boat last week where we recorded and tagged sharks in the Cape Cod Bay and went over some fascinating shark research that's happening right now. Hey everybody, this is Rob Michelson with NBC10 Boston. I'm here with Megan Winton, research scientist with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. She hosts our Shark Tales show. We've actually been out on the boat together recently, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sharks. How are you doing today, Megan? I'm great. <laughs> great. So we were just on the boat the other day. Yeah, we were on Monday. You're very enthusiastic about shark research and learning more about sharks in Cape Cod. And how did you get into this whole world of sharks? I don't know if you have enough time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, how did I get into sharks? That is a really great question. A lot of people, it might be kind of a, a weird story uh, to, to becoming a shark scientist. Maybe not so much. But when I was a kid, I was actually afraid of sharks. I grew up in Florida. My grandparents lived in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, which has the, the somewhat dubious distinction of being the shark attack capital of the world. Um, and so I remember being a kid, being at the beach, seeing fishermen catch sharks from shore and being like, oh, my God, I was just swimming with a shark. That's pretty scary. So I started reading about sharks. Um, and the more I learned about them, the more fascinated I became with them. And I realized they're just these really incredible animals. And, you know, flash forward 20 years later, and I am a shark scientist now. And I think about sharks all the time. So it's kind of an old cliche but knowledge really is power. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there about sharks. So I think that's part of the reason why at the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, we do so much education and outreach work um, because they really are fascinating, incredible animals that play a very important role in the ecosystem. Well, obviously summer must be, as a researcher, the mm -hmm. most exciting time because obviously people are interested in sharks for many reasons. How is the research going this season so far? So this is the first year that the Division of Marine Fisheries is tagging white sharks in Cape Cod Bay. Uh, so that's, that's a really big deal research-wise because it's not clear if sharks um, that are in Cape Cod Bay are using the waters around Cape Cod in a different way than um, sharks that have been tagged on the outside of the Cape. The research team is trying to figure out if it's a different size class of sharks that are in the bay versus outside on the, on the outer coast of the Cape, which is what we have heard from, from reports from fishermen over the past couple of years. So it's really exciting. A lot of new research projects are being started this season. Um, so it's great that we're off to uh, kind of a, a running start research-wise this year. You're talking about uh, sometimes being afraid that there are no sharks out on, on the water to research. <laughs> yeah, when I when I was joining you guys, uh, it took, what, three hours before we saw a shark? Oh, longer than that. <laughs> I would say it was closer to four. I know we saw one shark that was, like, circling around the boat. So Greg Scomo with the Division of Marine Fisheries, he's out there with you. He's tagging these sharks. Kind of tell people a little bit about how it happens. Yeah, so uh, Greg and his colleagues at the Division of Marine Fisheries came up with a really unique way of finding sharks and tagging them off the coast of the Cape. So in other areas of the world, a lot of times people have to catch animals to put tags on them. Uh, so Greg came up and, uh, and his colleagues, Greg and his colleagues came up with a system where they work with a spotter pilot who flies around the coast of the Cape, finds white sharks. Um, if you've ever been out to the beach on Cape Cod, you know there's those beautiful white sandy beaches. It provides a really great contrast with the, the, the dark gray top 
of the animal. So the pilot flies around and finds sharks. And then the research vessel essentially just sneaks up on the shark. Um, and then Greg is able to get video footage, so underwater footage of the white sharks, which we use to determine if it's a male or a female, um, see if it's a shark that's been identified before and is in the white shark catalog. Um, and then once we get video of it, Greg is then able to tag the animal. Um, and so when you first come up on a shark, a lot of people are curious as to why we need to use a spotter pilot. But you've been out on the water with us now. You've seen what it looks like. When, the, when you're first look, trying to find a shark when the pilot is steering you onto one, it looks like a purple smudge. It doesn't really look like a shark. It's not swimming around at the surface with its fin out. That's what a lot of people expect to see. But um, it's, it's not like that at all. So we're really dependent on that spotter pilot to find sharks. And and Skullmime, he must he, he must seem like a shark legend. He's tagged over like 170 <laughs> sharks, and I wasn't aware that this is uh, something that's unique to you to you know this area that we're this technique because it, it just like oh yeah that seems to be the way to go about it, but you know he makes it look easy. In other areas of the world, they also deploy tags on free swimming white sharks. What's really unique about the system Greg came up with is the spotter pilot component and actively going out. And, and finding where sharks are instead of relying on baiting sharks into the boat. But uh, so it is very unique that way. And Greg, he does, he makes it look really easy. At this point, he's had a lot of experience tagging these fish. Um, and, he, you know, it's, it's amazing to watch him work. But he really is the white shark expert um, in the Northwest Atlantic. And is there any reason uh, why there's this is a preferable method to using chum or putting bait in the water? Yeah, that is a great question. So this, in the state of Massachusetts since 2015, there are regulations in place now where you can't go out and try to bait in a white shark. Nobody wants anybody chumming right off a public beach uh, for white sharks bringing them in. So from uh, tagging a, a large shark perspective... The, the free-ranging kind of tagging techniques that the, the Division of Marine Fisheries uses is really low stress, both for the animals because they're, they're not restrained, they're not captured, they're just swimming around. You saw how it works. Greg sticks a tag in it, it keeps swimming um, and doing its sharky thing. From a researcher perspective, it's also less stressful because handling large sharks like that is, is re a really difficult thing to do. So far this season... What has been your favorite area or maybe topic or discovery uh, with shark research? What's the top? I mean, we're still early on in the season, so we can't really say we've discovered anything yet. But working in Cape Cod Bay, working in a new area has been really enlightening um, in terms of interpreting some of the, the previously collected tagging data. There's a, uh, a, a behavioral study that's being conducted by the Division of Marine Fisheries. We're working with them on that as well as with the New England Aquarium that's going to be putting tags with accelerometers in them um, on white sharks. So an accelerometer is the device that's in every smartphone that lets you track your activity if you're into exercising and tracking your runs or lets you play those, those games where you tilt your phone. So essentially the way I like to describe it is we'll be giving iPhones to white sharks to track their <laughs> behavior, their, their fine-scale, three-dimensional behavior. Almost like a Fitbit for sharks. It know? is. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the way Nick Whitney, the guy, at the, the scientist <laughs> at the New England Aquarium, uh, describes it. I always go for iPhone. But more, uh, yeah, I mean, more, more data, you know, and, and, yeah. and more information that you can use to really figure out what these sharks are doing. Exactly. And the really cool thing is some of the, the tags that 
the Division of Marine Fisheries will be using have video cameras embedded in them. Um, and so because of that, we'll actually be able to validate what it looks like when a shark is actively hunting seals and going after seals versus what it looks like when it's just cruising along the coast or eating a fish or eating something else. And so because we'll have that validated data set, we'll be able to put out a lot of these tag types and then figure out things like how often is an individual white shark feeding um, off the coast of Cape Cod. And then from that, um, in combination with a population estimate that we're currently working on, we'll be able to kind of come up with a rough estimate of how many seals the white shark population off the coast of Cape Cod could be eating, which is a big question on people's minds. Um, you know, a lot of times, not everybody in the community is excited uh, that Cape Cod is now a white shark hotspot. A lot of people are also um, not happy with how many seals are in the area right now. White sharks are the only natural predators of seals in our ecosystem right now. Um, but you talk to people and, and they, a lot of people say to me, there's no possible way these sharks could eat enough seals to make any sort of, of have any sort of impact on the seal population at this point. But, the, but we really don't know. So that's one of the, the questions the study's going to answer that I'm really excited about. And I'm actually, uh, you know, excited because as a uh, person working in the media, first mm -hmm. person shark footage, <laughs> I mean, that's going to be, uh, is that something that we're going to be able to see as the public? Are you being able to see kind of how these sharks move in the water and when they're, you know, going after prey? Because that's very exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it'll be, uh, it'll, there will be hours and hours of video footage collected. And Not you, all of it will probably be that exciting. Do you have to but, go through uh, it? Uh, or is there somebody else that's going through all this footage? There'll be a, a group of people going through it. So, <laughs> Excellent. So we were talking a little bit about shark safety. Mm -hmm. And what should people know this season about sharks and safety in regards to the research you're doing? Is there anything you want the public to know right now? That is a really great question. And it is something that is on everybody's minds. I mean, honestly, public safety, it's its really the, the big motivation behind all of the research that's being conducted. A lot of people seem to have this perception that uh, the research team is just out there kind of loving sharks and like putting tags on sharks. And we are very interested in the biology of the species and what they're doing. But really all of the work that the Division of Marine Fisheries has been conducting over the past couple of years, uh, really the motivation behind it is to inform uh, public safety. One thing we've learned from researchers working in other areas that have been white shark hotspots for decades is that it's really important to have an understanding of the movements and behaviors of these animals um, because it's really important for people who are going to the beaches to know not only that these animals are here, but that they're hunting close to shore. By having a better understanding of the movements and in particular the predatory behavior of these animals um, and, and to identify if there's any sort of relationships between when they're, when they're hunting for seals and things like time of day um, or tidal stage, all of that uh, will kind of come together to allow us to identify what might be the most high-risk periods for recreational water users. We really want people, when they come to Cape Cod in the summer, to be shark smart. And what I mean by that is know, number one, that the summer into the early fall really is the peak white shark season. We know from tagging data that's been collected by the Division of Marine Fisheries that the peak white shark season really is uh, from... August into October, uh, so so the summer months, um, 
which is also the peak of the of the tourist season, which isn't great, also know that they are here hunting for seals, which they do in shallow water close to shores. A lot of people think that they're, you know, that there are sharks here, but they occur far offshore, but they are actively hunting for seals close to shore. So watch your depth. Um, that's really important. We've seen sharks as big as, as 15 feet long, so an animal that weighs thousands of pounds in less than five feet of water during some research trips. So, so watch your depth. That's very important. Um, and be aware of your surroundings. Don't, uh, you know, swim or surf by yourself. Have a buddy. Um, definitely pay attention to the lifeguards. If they tell you to get out of the water, get out of the water and, and follow all posted instructions. There's signs out um, that provide information. When we're out on research trips, we report sightings of sharks via the Conservancy's Sharktivity app. Um, and you can also report your own sightings through that app. Um, so if you want information on where sharks are being seen, I would encourage you to download that app. All right, we got a little app plug, and that's, that's good. I mean, if, yeah, if you're going to be in the area, you want to know where the sharks are and get alerted. And as far as the rest of the season, what are you looking forward to? Is there anything else happening with research um, or with any other trips you're taking that you're really looking forward to? This is a bad question for me because I'm excited about everything <laughs> all the time. <laughs> this is good. You're, you're a very enthusiastic scientist. And, you know, since we've gotten to know each other, yeah. you're very enthusiastic about sharks. And obviously understanding that the, there's a big safety component and there's a big uh, public uh, misinformation, which we're going to talk about in mm -hmm. future episodes. But, you know, you're enthusiastic about the research and these animals. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to? I am really excited to kick off the uh, the, the behavioral study um, that the division's going to be starting any day now, those tags are going to start going out is the hope. Um, I, so in terms of particular projects, I'm, I'm really excited about that. But every year on the water is different. Um, and it's really been amazing to have the opportunity uh, to, to kind of get out there as often as we have over the past five years um, and track what's going on with the population. One thing that is incredibly interesting to me as a scientist is the ability to kind of follow and study an individual fish for multiple years at a time. So the acoustic tags that the Division of Marine Fisheries is deploying on white sharks on Cape Cod, they have a battery life of 10 years. Um, and so we can potentially follow an individual white shark for 10 years. Right now, um, there's a, a white shark, his nickname is James, who was first tagged in 2014 and has come back to Cape Cod every year. He's back this year. We've already seen him a few times when we've been out on the water. Um, so that that is uh, an important thing as well. And just continuing to work with the community um, and trying to find a way forward now that we're kind of in this new reality where we've got species responding to uh, management measures that were put into place decades ago. It's really important for people to remember this is a conservation success story. Um, what's really uh, interesting and kind of the hard part of it now is we're entering this, this realm of what is known as conservation conflict. When predator populations begin to rebound, people aren't used to having them around anymore, even though we know historically they occurred here and, and conflicts arise. So you know, there, There's a lot of special interests and there's different populations that are concerned about sharks mm -hmm. and, in certain ways. And you know, we're, you're trying to work between the two worlds to study these creatures mm -hmm. and also understand that there's a certain impact that they have uh, on the population. And Yeah, basically uh, we're out there learning more about these animals. So at the Conservancy, there's this misperception out there, uh, not, not, you know, across the board, but some people have the perception that the Conservancy is the one 
making the rules that the Conservancy and, and the Division of Marine Fisheries are the ones out there making the rules about what is being implemented at different beaches. But really, we serve, we're scientists um, and educators, we serve as information providers. So we are, our job is to go out and conduct the research, take what we learn about these animals and provide the results to the community. It's really up to the towns and the beach managers to decide what they want to do with that information. So we're not the deciders. We're not the decision makers here. We're information providers. I'm excited about the shark POV. I mean, you say you're excited, <laughs> but again, I mean, but it sounds a little like we're stalking, like we're like, you're like, I want to find one shark and stalk. I'm a very swim fan of you, you know? <laughs> I haven't seen that, but I remember the previous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be talking about different topics in coming episodes. It's going to be very exciting. Shark myths, shark names, uh, talking just everything about sharks. Um, but look out for Megan on future episodes of Shark Tales. She's going to be joining us again on YouTube and Instagram and right here on the podcast. And uh, do you have any uh, any last shark things to say? Any, uh, a, a favorite shark phrase? A favorite shark phrase. I don't know if I have a favorite shark phrase. It's Jossum is a pretty good one. <laughs> okay, all dorky. right. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> okay. But uh, I, w- <laughs> I would just say if you have questions that you would like answered on Shark Tales or on this podcast, please send them in. That's that's why we're here. Um, I'd love to talk about anything anything sharky or any any questions you guys have in future episodes. We'll do a little Q&A, but in the meantime, I'll do it with you. Ready? Okay. Three, two, one. It's It's Jawsome. All right. Thanks, (laughs) Megan. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Shark Tales. Make sure to subscribe to get new episodes right when they come out. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and YouTube as well for weekly shows and exciting features all summer.